Good morning again, and thank you for being here and joining us today. Uh, my name, again, for those that weren't in here before, is Bill Malott. I'm the executive pastor here. Kevin's on vacation this week. He's uh, he's roughing it in Hawaii, in Kauai, as a matter of fact. And so um, we're going to talk today about, we're kicking off this 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 message, this series of Into the Wild, and we're going to, we're going to talk about hearing God clearly today. And, and I'm not sure how wild all of you, you all are out there, but I, I'm not really that wild of a guy. Uh, not a wild and crazy guy like, I don't know who, who that was, uh, Steve, Steve Martin. There you go. That's, that's right. He was a wild and crazy guy. I'm not, I'm not him. But so I, I kind of like things a little organized. I like them, uh, you know, orderly, planned, but but there are times, there are times in our life when we need to to take risks and we need to be courageous. So, I, I, I thought about I thought about my life and how I used to be before I grew up and got afraid. You know, how how things uh, could could be. I, I had to go all the way back and and think of uh, a time when I was three years old. Uh, I. I don't remember this, but I was told that I did this. I stood there in, in, a, in a field uh, and, and stood there sticking my tongue out at a poisonous snake that was curling up and sticking his tongue out at me. And I said, well, he did it at me, and so I had to do it to him. And I'm not even sure how I got out of that, but totally unaware of the danger involved there. I think my brother saved me from that when he rode his bike over the snake's head or something. Then, then when I was when I was eight, I, I remember there was another another time. I kind of remember that. Well, I remember this very well, because my my sister forced me to go out with her and her friends, and we went into the woods um, every every day. I think just about every day over the summer, and we smoked cigarettes at eight years old. Well, I was I was eight. She she made me do it because she was eleven and she didn't want me to tell my mom and dad that she was doing it, so she got me involved in it. Good plan, I guess, but I didn't. I didn't stop because I was. I felt like I was too young. I stopped because I got really sick when I tried to inhale a big cigar one time, and that was, again, totally unaware, dumb, kind of, kind of silly. But also, I do remember from from age probably nine till maybe thirteen, fourteen years old. We we lived in Pennsylvania, right? The Appalachian Trail was right behind our house, and we were up in the woods every day in the summertime. You know, it was one of those those times back in the in the 60s and 70s when you could go and be gone all day, and you know you didn't have cell phones or anything like that. So I would be out swinging on vines, jumping off rocks, pulling snakes out of their holes, and you know doing those kinds of. My cousin actually did that. I was right there with him, though. Not not smart, not not really smart, but. Then I got a little older. I started to, to date girls, and and uh, in high school, I had had a girlfriend that lived about 18 to 20 minutes away from my house. And every Friday, I would stay a little longer than I should have because we had this Cinderella law in Pennsylvania that you had to be home by midnight. And if if I ever didn't get home by midnight, my dad would never give me the car again. So. I would leave with about 12 or 13 minutes for an 18-minute drive. So I'd drive about 110 miles an hour through a, a road that should go 60 tops. You should, you should really do I'm, I'm surprised I did this like a long time, four or three, four months worth every Friday night. So not, not something I'd recommend for kids to do, but uh, all of those things, all of those things that I did was before my frontal lobe was developed, and I didn't realize the consequences of, of my life. You know, I had... Uh, I had kind of an excuse. 
And then I remember something when I was in my 30s, and I didn't have any excuse anymore. Uh, this was one of the scariest and maybe dumbest things that I've ever done. Uh, it still really sticks out in my mind whenever I think about fear and I think about doing something that's not so smart. We, we were visiting a friend. I was on my way to an assignment, and we were visiting a friend in uh, Louisiana, and they had a they had a rope swing set up in their backyard where they behind their house where you could swing out and at the at the end of your swing you were probably 25 30 feet off the ground so if you let go it was kind of dangerous if you fell off and that wasn't i didn't think that was very dangerous or or dumb at all because uh, it was kind of fun to go out there and do it the dumb part was when i got my 2 year old daughter put her on my back and said hold on that was pretty that was the dumb part because as she held on and I swung out over this place, guess what? She started to slip slip off my back as we got twenty five feet out over the, the ground. I feel like Tarzan holding on the rope with one hand, holding on to her with the other. And I I can't remember a time in my life where my heart was beating faster than it was when we finally got back to safety. Uh, that was not real smart, and I didn't have any real excuse. My frontal lobe was fully developed at that time. It was it was not something I should have been doing. I've been involved in four wars in my military career, give or take. Traveled most of the world in scary situations. I've had lots of choices that I've had to make, lots of decisions that I've had to make, but I can't even remember a time when I was more scared than that time when my daughter was almost falling to her death, uh, which I guess it's understandable. But let me, let me ask you for a minute. Let me ask you, what are you afraid of? What are the things that come to your mind when you think about fear? And I, I looked up a few things that people are afraid of. Let me see if you relate to any of these. See if you relate to being afraid of spiders. Some snakes, heights, open spaces, crowded spaces, dogs. Some people are afraid of dogs. Thunder, lightning, small spaces, germs. Flying? Anybody afraid of flying? Holes. <laughs> There's people that are afraid of holes. I don't know how you're afraid of holes. What, what is it? Maybe it's a sinkhole in the floor. I, I, maybe. That, I'd be afraid of that. Cancer, death, public speaking. People are afraid of public speaking. That used to be the number one on the list for quite a while back in, back in the day. Uh, being alone, failure, birds, chickens. People are afraid of chickens. That was before Chick-fil-A, I guess. They, they're not, not so afraid of that. Crowds, intimacy, needles. Anybody afraid of needles? Other people, water, abandonment. People are afraid of blood, commitment. A lot of people are shaking their heads when I say commitment. Some people are afraid of commitment. The last one I want to share, though, and this is kind of what I want to talk about today, is, is uh, the fear of the unknown. We, we call that fear xenophobia or xenophobic, uh, whatever, however you say it, potato, potato, fearing anything that is strange or foreign. So anytime you don't know what's going to happen, you might have a fear of it. And did you know that 80%, 80% of our population, 80% of our people are either somewhat or very afraid of the unknown? I don't know about those other 20%. I don't know what they're thinking, but 80% are, are afraid. So what, what was I so afraid of when my daughter was about to fall off my back? Well, duh, of course. I was afraid she was going to fall off and get hurt. And, and I, think, I think if we ask most of the parents in the room today uh, what they're most afraid of, it would probably have something to do with 
things happening to their kids. Am I right? I would bet that that's probably the case. What if, what if we could trust, what if we could trust that whatever it is that we don't know, whatever we're, we're so afraid of, if, if that would turn out for the good in, in our lives, would we, would we still be afraid? What, what if we knew that all we had to do was follow a certain plan in our life, a certain series of steps and certain trust in some things that we, we needed to trust in, would that, that it would all work out in the end? Would we still be afraid? There's, there's a, a common definition of the word fear, F-E-A-R. It says it's, it's false evidence appearing real. So when we, we, we sometimes get more afraid than we need to be because our expectations or our, our fear of the unknown is what overtakes us. And, and I think there's a lot of truth to that description about false evidence. And what does it mean to us? Why do we fear? What is, why does it even exist? Is it a good or a bad thing? Uh, fear is always a bad thing unless it, it, it keeps us, or it's, it's, it's really a bad thing when it keeps us from obeying God. It's not always bad. It's not always a bad thing because fear of God is a good thing. And, and that's one of my prayers for today is that we would all leave this place being afraid of disobeying God rather than being afraid of obeying him. Because that's what I think we, we sometimes get caught into that trap of saying, oh, this is too hard. I'm not, I might fail. I might do something wrong and I'm afraid to do this. But God's calling me to do it, but I don't know if I can. I don't think I'm, I'm worthy of it. So I, I, would, I, wanna keep, I wanna keep this message very simple today. And, and we can walk away with, from here thinking or knowing that when we hear the voice of God, that we would not allow fear in our life to dissuade us from obeying that voice. So if we could do that, I, I'd love for each of us to, to walk away being more afraid of disobeying God than we are of obeying him. Makes sense. So here's the question for today. What do we do about the fear that leads us from God and how do we embrace the fear that leads us toward obeying him? So I want to put up uh, what I think is a, a truth in, in, our, in our lives that obedience, obedience in what God has already revealed, positions us to experience what he has yet to reveal. Now, leave that slide up for just a second. I want to, I want to just try something here. I'm, I'm not going to leave. I'm, I'm not done yet. Uh, but... I'm going to go over here for just a second, and I'm going, to, I'm going to hide behind this curtain. Now, you can't see me, and I can't see you, and what if God had called me to give this message today, but I stayed the whole time behind that curtain? I wouldn't be positioned. I wouldn't be in a place where I could see what God wanted me to do next. What if God was saying to me, hey, you see that person over there? Go and talk to him. Nope, can't see him. I got this curtain in front of my face. All I can see is, is what I'm comfortable with here. And I'm, I'm not moving past what I've already known. So what if, we, what if we took that truth and said, we have to take a step before we can see the next one. We have to be willing to trust God so that we can see where God is leading us. So there are a lot of things that God wants to show us, but we have to take that first step of obedience. And, and I think those of us who have taken that, our first step of obedience is, is to believe that he is who he says he is. 
Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God, and we can't go to him unless we believe that he exists. So, so what, if, what if God is saying something, and we, we said, no, no, show me the whole plan first before I, before I believe anything, you know? Uh, sort of like Gideon did when he said, I need, to, I need to be sure. Show me all these things. Give me all these signs. Just, just wanted to be sure he was going to go into battle against 20,000 people with 300 guys. So I guess he really did want to know for sure it was from God. But I, w- I was thinking about some of the situations I've been in in, in my life. Uh, during my career in the military, I, I had to obey orders that were given to me, even though I didn't always like them. And other people had to obey orders that I gave them. I, I was thinking about one that I was, I was in a, a process uh, over in, in Saudi Arabia during the Iraqi war. And I signed a lot of orders of people going into scary situations and dangerous situations, and they had to go. And, and so uh, one of the memorable ones was signing an order for our search and rescue team to go in and rescue. Some of you may have heard of a, a young lady named Jessica Lynch who was captured by the Iraqis, and she was, she was in a, um, a bad situation. And we, we tried to do this rescue with her. We actually succeeded in that. And the guys were so excited when they came back because they were able to rescue her. And, and it was what an awesome experience. But they had to obey and go into this dangerous situation and, in order for her to be, be rescued. Now, what if they had said, no, that's too scary. We can't do that. We're not going to use our skills and everything we've been trained for to go in and rescue her. Well, then she would have never been rescued. She would have been a captive till the, a captive till the end of the war. So I, I want to look today, thinking about some of those things that we've resisted, that we don't want to do because we're afraid. How, how is our life affected by, by obedience? How is our life affected by the things that we don't do because we're so afraid. And I want to ask you a question. Uh, what kind of person are you? Uh, are you are you a dreamer? So look look into your own life. Are you a dreamer or are you kind of a worry wart? Do you, do you worry about things that keeps you from doing things? Are, are you somebody that starts things on your own or do you have to be kind of pushed to do them? Are you a, a hard follower? Are you a risk taker? Or is safety your, your highest priority? Are you an optimist or a pessimist? And there's, there's nothing wrong with either one of these. We just have to recognize what we, what we are and what we need to move forward. Are you anxious or are you carefree? Are you a daredevil or are you nervous Nelly? Are you a brave person or are you kind of cowardly toward that, afraid of a lot more things? So here's a significant question that I ask myself all the time and I have for a long time. The idea of failure is, is failure something that you fear or is failure something that you kind of thrive on as an adventure? And I, I'll tell you, there are certain areas of my life I love. I love to get, get beat at things. I love to fail because I know it's helping me grow. Like handball is one of those things. I love to find somebody who can, can beat me soundly in a game because then I learn how, how to play better. And I, I don't look at it as a failure, but a lot of times we look at life as anything we fail at, we're afraid to do again. And, and that attitude when it comes to obeying God is not really a good attitude. And sometimes we feel those emotions and we let them drive us and we let, let them move us in a direction that we, we don't really want them to do. And sometimes we feel excitement, we feel uncertainty, and we feel fear. And maybe all at the same time, I had... I had my, my uh, family here this week. My oldest son was here with his family, and this past Tuesday, we, we went out to uh, Fun Spot down in Orlando. 
And some of you may have seen this ride. It's a, it's a ride that's called the Hot Spot. And you, you get on this ride, it's kind of a swing, and you, you sit, sit there, and then it takes you up this way, parallel to the ground. You're facing the ground over here, and your back is facing it over here. And I went on this ride. Uh, my, my son Matthew wanted to go with his brother, and so I rode with my daughter-in-law. And I forgot she's afraid of heights. And she, we get in there, and she's strapping in. The guy's kind of putting her thing down. She says, no, tighter, tighter, no, put it tighter, put it down tighter. And she, she, she wanted to be strapped in as much as she could. And we started to swing, and she grabbed onto my arm. I'm glad she had her fingernails cut because she, she was just, you know, she was really gripping it, and, and it definitely got her attention. She, was, she says, don't, don't you remember I'm afraid of heights? And, and she was scared. She was afraid. And, and meanwhile, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, what a lame ride. You know, this is just kind of back and forth because I had been on it so many times before and and I I didn't I realized it was just not that big a deal but to her being afraid of heights it was a huge deal and my my wife is somewhat the same way some of you know Casey you wouldn't think she's she's afraid of a lot of things but I took her on a ride one time at Bush Gardens and that that ride Falcon's Fury anybody ever ridden Falcon's Fury down there it's, a, it's kind of a drop tower thing where you go up about 200 plus feet and then it turns you so you're looking straight down at the ground. Uh, you you want to ride that? Is that a good one? So we go up there and all the way up, Casey's like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm doing this. We get up there and turns over and she's like, oh, I'm going to fall. I'm going to die. And she, she was just hysterical as she got on that ride. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, I can't believe how lame this is. They take you right out of that. They take you from here, and as soon as you start to fall, they, they bring you upright. I mean, they could have done it 10 more seconds and let us face the ground. It would have been fun. But she was, uh, and, and it was just very, very scary for her. So what it, what it tells me is that we're not, we're not the same in our, the way we look at things. We, we have different approaches to life. And I might think it's tame, but somebody else might think it's wild. I might think it's wild, and some people might think it's tame. So we, we have different ways of approaching. God has given us things to do according to our own abilities. And he doesn't ask me to do something he's called you to do, and he doesn't ask you to, to do something he's called me to do. That's the beauty of following God's plan. And so none of us are called to serve in the same way. None of us are called to give in the same way. That's my cue. So this is the offering is coming up. So we're not called to give in the same way. The Bible says that the ushers are going to come down. We're going to take an offering now, but we're not required to give the same way. God calls each of us to give in a way that he has put in our heart to give. So if you're here, as the, as the ushers come down, if you're here for the first time today, please don't give. Don't feel obligated to do it. Don't ever feel obligated. We say this every week, but we really mean it. We, we only want you to give as God leads you to do that. So as, as that happens, I, I want to I talk just briefly about a, a significant person in the, in the Bible. And this, this man's name was Abraham. A lot of you may have heard of Abraham. His original name was Abram. Uh, Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of many. And he was a man that God made a covenant with. He made a covenant with him. He told him his descendants would be numerous. He promised him a son. He promised him offspring. And we meet him for the first time in the Bible. Abram, Abram is married. He's living a normal kind of uh, comfortable life with no children which I guess wasn't normal in those days, but 
you know, we, we think it's more normal now not to have children. We think it's more normal now not to have children. But he wanted, they, they had a legacy that they wanted to give. So that was sort of a, a curse that he thought, but he was still living a reasonably normal life. God wanted him to be extraordinary. He wanted him to move on in a direction that he was going to call him. And so as we relate to the story, even though it's thousands of years ago, think about, think about your own life and how sometimes we are called to be living in the comfort of our present situation rather than to be called out. Look what God told, told Abram as he spoke to him. He said in Genesis chapter 12, it says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Now, what, what, wait a minute, what kind of, what kind of uh, command is that? You're gonna, I want, you want me to go, but you're not going to give me where I'm going? What's the upside of doing that? How do, how do I make that decision? Uh, say, say that one more time, God. You're, you're, you're the only one who knows where I'm going, and you're not going to tell me. It reminds me of, a, it reminded me when I read that this, this week, it reminded me of my the same daughter I tried to kill on the rope swing. She, she had the, uh, she, she had a, a reaction to one of my assignments. We were waiting for a move, and uh, it was we, were, we knew we were going to be moving in June, and we didn't have our assignment. In, it was middle of May, getting toward the end of May. We still didn't know where we were going. And so Amy says to her mom, she says, Mom, I know Dad is smart, but he's not that smart. We're moving in less than a month, and he doesn't even know where we're going. How, how could he be that smart? Abraham's family had to be thinking the same thing as they were, they were, we're going to move. We're going to go where God is going to tell us and we're just going to start out and, and do that. I, I don't know how they, they felt, but I, I, I can get a feeling. We don't know what the future holds sometimes. And, and so God decided he'd give Abraham a little bit more incentive. As we move on in that passage in, in Genesis 12, he says to Abraham, he says, I will make you into a great nation and I'll bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, that's great if you trust the person who's telling you that. God was promising Abram all of these good things that he was going to do for him. He just didn't tell him when or how he was going to do them. He had a choice to make. He had a choice to make and obey God, trust him, and go, or he could disobey God and stay in his comfortable zone. He had that choice to make. And remember, he didn't have Google Maps. He didn't have GPS. He didn't know what, what lay ahead for him as he moved from this, his comfort zone. But he decided, Abram, what did he do? He decided to go. In, in verses 4 and 5, it says, Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. When he set out from Haran, he took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So now what was going through his mind? Okay, God, here we are. Now what? I've taken this step of faith. Well, we're going to look more at this story as we go on in the next two weeks of what God developed. But this, what we want to focus on today is this first step. If Abraham, if Abram had not taken this first step, he never would have been in position to hear what God had to say next because he wouldn't have been where he want, God wanted him to be. 
So let's look. Let's look at a couple of things that Abram actually did as God called him to do these things. The first thing he did was he listened. He listened for God's plan. How many times have we just gone off and done things without first listening for God's plan? It's easy to ask God for things, but it's sometimes hard to wait and listen and hear what he has to say, especially when we don't like what he says. The next thing Abram did was he took a step of faith. He didn't know. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what to expect, but he took that step. And, then, and he chose obedience over comfort and security. Some of you are out there thinking right now, huh, I don't want any part of that. That's, that doesn't sound good at all. I want comfort. I want security. Uh, I'll find somebody that I can be obedient to that's going to let me stay in this place. Well, Abram, he realized this was God calling him, and he chose that over his own comfort. And, and this, one's, this next one's the hard one that he did. He gave up control of his life, and he put it into God's hands. He moved forward in a way that he didn't even know where he was going, but he trusted God. He put it into his hands. And that's exactly what enabled him to do this. He trusted God. He trusted that God has a plan for our lives that he wants to reveal to us. How many times do you get up in the morning and, and ask God for his plan for the day? Are you willing to listen or do you just go about your normal routine? Are you just going to be in your day-to-day, one, one thing after another, routine life? Are you asking God what he wants you to do? Abram realized that God rarely reveals more than one step at a time. How many steps do we want to know in our journeys? We want to know the end from the beginning. We want to know where we're heading. And it's not a bad thing to, to have a direction, but it's, 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 it is a bad thing if God is telling us to do this. And I'll show you the next plan after you, you're obedient to me here. Obedience typically reveals that next step. So the first step is always hard. And Abram did this. He, it gives us wisdom for that, that next step. And, and here's, here's the hard word for me in this slide. Surrender. Surrender is necessary for obedience. If you look through the Bible, if you look through God's plan for people, as, as, you, go, as you go through this, this whole pattern of life, surrender is, is key to every, every decision that people make. Now, Kevin talked about, last week he talked about Solomon and he talked about him being the wisest man in the world. And we talked about Proverbs 31 and, and the standard for godly women, the standard for all of us, really, through wisdom. And, and I wonder, you know, did he, did he ask God for his plan? If he did, I don't think he would have ended up with 700 wives and 300 concubines. Well, what was he thinking as he did that? And it's pretty wild, but I, I don't know that that was the best way to, to go about being wild. But what he did, what Solomon did, as the wisest man in the world, and he asked God for wisdom, and he gave him wisdom, he forgot his own advice. He didn't take the obedience first. He trusted his own flesh and his own emotions. In Deuteronomy 17, God gave the kings of each land advice. He gave them commands, and he said this. He said, the king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you're not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray, which is exactly what happened to Solomon. 
He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. And these commands were given so that the king would rely on God and not on those things. How many times do we rely on the things of this world instead of relying on God? It's really easy to do. It's really easy to do because that's what we know. That's what we have become accustomed to. And even though Solomon broke all three of these commands, he knew better. He knew that when God had really placed wisdom in his heart, he wrote these words in Proverbs chapter 3. And a lot of you, are, I'm sure, are very familiar with these words. If, if not from the, from the scripture, you're, you're familiar with, with trusting a plan. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In fact, I think we brought this verse up a few weeks ago. Lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways you submit to God, and he will make your paths straight. When we learn to trust and overcome our fear, those are two things that if, if we're going to ever hear God clearly in our life, if we're ever going to hear what his words and his desire for our life really is, we've got to learn to trust, and we've got to let, learn to put fear where it belongs, because it can often hold us back from following what God has for us. I want to leave you with something, an illustration here about how do we do that? Now, the obvious answer is just, just read the Bible. Just read the Bible. Well, we, we need to do more than just read the Bible. There's an illustration. I want to put a picture up there. Look at this. It's like a, it's like a hand. And it, well, it is a hand. It's not like a hand. It's a hand holding a book. Uh, and, and so, but, but think about, think about this. When, when, when you just hear the word of God, if you just came here every week and you heard the word, it would be beneficial. You, you might be able to hold, if, if, you, if you did it just right, you might be able to hold that word, but you wouldn't have a good grip on it. You got to read it to get a little better hold on this book. You got to study it to get another finger on that book. You got to start memorizing a couple of passages of scripture that are relevant to your life, and those will help you hang on. But but when you apply that that last step of meditating on God's word, thinking about His word, applying it to your life, doing what it says, that's when you really get a grip on God's word. That's when you can begin to understand where fear belongs in your life and where God's word belongs in your life as a result of your grip on his word. We can't obey somebody we don't know. We can't trust somebody we don't know. But when we get a grip on his word, we get a grip on what his plan is for our life. We can trust him and we can obey him. There's a, there's a song, a line in a song that I've heard recently. It says, fear doesn't stand a chance when we stand in his love. It doesn't. If we have his love, his, his word says perfect love, which is what God gives us, it casts out all fear. It gets rid of that fear in our life. God didn't ever promise we wouldn't fail. There's trials of life that we're going to have. We're going to go through journeys, but he promised that he would hold us up under whatever comes our way. He promised that we would be able to stand up under those things and that our, our life as the pressures of life come around, we won't be broken by those things that, that come into our life. I want to pray for all of us right now. I want to pray that, that we would understand what, what God's real plan for us is and that we'd be able to hear his voice clearly. As, join me as I, as I pray with the Spirit of God. God, we... We understand that 
this world is full of, full of things that, that are kind of scary sometimes. It's full of things that would cause us to have fear and apprehension in our lives. I, I just pray that we would get to know you in such a way that we would be able to trust you in all the things that we hear from you, that we'd be able to hear your voice, that we would know you so well, that we would be, be no doubt in our mind that it would be you who's speaking to us. I pray that we would take that first step if we haven't taken it. If we have taken that first step of trusting in your son, trusting in Jesus, and trusting his his, his ability to forgive us of our sins and die for those sins and cover the penalty for those, then I pray that if we haven't taken that, I pray that the Spirit of God, it's your Spirit, God, would lead us into that decision. And if we have, then I, I pray that each person here would continue on that journey that would allow you to complete the work that, that you have begun in us and that we would cast out that fear because of your love. God, we just put this into your hands. We want to be like Abram and take that first step. We want to take that, that, that step of faith and trust and trust you with all of our heart and lean not on our understanding and you will make our paths straight. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.